This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at Um Managed to contract a little thing called COVID and so um, had, had a week's holiday. Um, went into isolation and the petrol prices were $1.98. Um, I filled up my car just before I went into isolation. $1.98 is what I paid for it. Um, came out of COVID and it was $2, $2.21. And so um, I was sharing that with someone um, and they said, you must have been in a coma for 25 years uh, for it to be able to jump that amount of time in a week. Um, so we live in a strange hour and a strange day, do we not? There's been times when I filled up my car because our um, four-wheel drive takes about 75 litres of fuel and that costs a little bit of money. And so um, there's been times that I've filled up just before price rises and I've gone, woohoo, that's good. And then there's been other times where I've filled up and then the price has dropped and it's like, dope. So I reckon I won out this time and I reckon um, my 75 litres of diesel that I put in my um, truck the other day um, is now probably worth $8 million. In actual fact, I heard a funny story where someone had an accident. It wasn't funny that they had an accident, but um, they had this accident and they rang up the insurance company and they said, I've just had an accident. And the insurance company said, how full is your fuel tank? And they said, it's empty. They said, well, we'll just write it off. So he thought that was really funny. <laughs> but anyway, shows my sense of humour. Um, if you're here in the building tonight, God bless you. Um, and so there's a bucket down the front if you're wanting to give cash in person for our offering or you can give via our online means. Uh, make yourself available that too. All right, so who's got their Bibles? Let's turn to Nehemiah. One of the things I've committed myself to do in the month of March is to uh, do the Shred Bible Plan, which effectively means that you read the Bible in 30 days, and um, when people hear that, they go, oh, you're mad. How can you do that? Can I just let you in on a little secret? It's a little thing called self-discipline. And... um, Interesting thing happened because when I contracted COVID, I thought, beauty, I'll have as much time as I like to, um, I could probably knock over the rest of the Bible in, in that week um, if I really commit myself to it and that sort of stuff. Well, I found it harder to keep up with my Bible readings during the time of isolation than I did previously because some of the self-discipline and some of the, the um, normal routine went out of my life. And so I learned a really, really, really valuable lesson that routine is important. And um, because pre-contracting COVID, what I would do is I'd get up early in the morning or I'd get up and the first thing I would do is I would read as much as I could read in the time I had allotted. And then if I didn't get it all done in that time, then what I would do is I would push it till my lunchtime and be able to read it in my lunchtime and finish it. But I found that when I didn't have that routine, it was a lot harder for me to do that. And so I just want to encourage you that routine is important. That when you get into a routine, and if you're struggling with things like Bible reading, if you're struggling with things like praying, if you're struggling with your um, own devotion time with the Lord, get a routine. Break into a routine. Don't just say, well, I'll do it when I get a spare moment, because spare moments come and go. You know, spare moments, and sometimes the things that we give our spare moments to are just really strange. They're bizarre. It's like, well, now I've got to do that thing called washing or dishes, or something like that, or something will come up. And and so there was one day in particular that I just put it off all day, and so I got to the end of the day, and I thought, I'm in trouble. Got to 10 o'clock, and I thought, what am I going to do? Am I going to even get this done? And so I thought, no, I need to 
get this done. And so I spent the next couple of hours just reading um, because that's what it takes. It takes about an um, hour and a half to two hours um, to, to read the amount of scripture that I need to read to complete the plan. And it's not about completing the plan. What it's about is it's about seeing things that I haven't seen before. But with that in mind, and the reason I'm saying that is another thing has happened. Over the last 18 days, I've found it really hard to prepare sermons because I don't have time, and the whole idea of the Shred Bible plan is not to stop and take notes, but to keep reading. And the whole idea of it is you end up picking up the themes and you see things that you haven't seen before because what you're doing is you're actually seeing themes rather than just getting a bit here and a bit there and a bit here and a bit there. You know, it's amazing the themes you see in books like Genesis when you read it all in one sitting. You know, it's amazing what comes out. So with that in mind, it's like I thought to myself, I'm struggling to get sermons into a point where I, I just sit down and I go, let's put quality time into this message. But one of the things I've discovered, and I've already, I already knew this because God taught it to me early in my preaching journey, is that he's always faithful to his word. And so I reckon I read Nehemiah about three or four days ago and um, there's just some stuff jumped out at me and we're just going to look at that um, tonight, um, the book of Nehemiah. So are you ready? So I've entitled my message, Hand It To Me. Hand it to me. And I get this picture of either the apprentice or the nurse in an operating thing. You know, I, I'm glad I'm not a nurse in an operating theatre because when that doctor goes scalpel or forceps or number four, whatever, I'm glad I do not have the responsibility to pass the scalpel because what if I pass the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing in that moment? There's a lot of responsibility of placing something in someone's hand. There's a lot of responsibility in that moment where it's like you're given the responsibility to put something in someone else's hand. And so I got this picture of, you know, the doctor there and the doctor going to me, scalpel. It's like, okay, because I know what a scalpel looks like. And so I can pass the scalpel. Number four, forceps. I got no idea. I have no clue. Suction. Does that mean a vacuum cleaner? Does that mean something else? And so there's that responsibility in that moment. And as believers and as born-again believers, any born-agains in the house? Any, you've got to help me out. My throat's a bit scratchy. I'm feeling a bit droopy. So you're gonna, the louder you speak, the better I'll preach, okay? In actual fact, I'll, 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 the longer you yell, the more I'll preach. I was going to say I was expecting silence. Like that, or someone says, yes, and the person next to them goes, shh, don't do that. It's like when the visiting ministry come and they go, um, you know, it's like they're having a lot of time. I went to the, to the um, chaplaincy AGM the other night and the guy did it where it was like he'd already used up all his time. He'd gone over his allotted time. And then he goes, so what's the time? Can I keep going? Do I still have time? And everything inside of me is going, No. No, you've already abused the time limit you've been given. So no. And of course, someone at the back goes, yeah, keep going. Doubled his time. Doubled his allotted time. Whereas like, so, you know, I'm going to try and stick to my time limit tonight. Um, so my voice is still here for tomorrow. So number one, if you're taking notes, the motivator. 
See, as born-again believers, we are given responsibility. And there's things in life that motivate us. There's things in life that will motivate us to the point where we will sacrifice certain things so that we're able to get the better, so that we're able to achieve more. And I want to tell you, over the last 18 days where I've been reading this Bible plan, it has been a joy. It has absolutely been a joy. And I haven't made it too public that I'm doing this um, outside of the couple of times I've mentioned it while I've been preaching, where, where it's like I haven't made it too public. When people hear that I've committed myself to do that, and some of our younger people I know have committed because I've been following along um, on your Bible plans as well um, and where you're up to and that sort of stuff, so I'm watching you. No, I'm not really. I just think it's good that people are having a go because there is no winner or there is no first or last and that sort of stuff. Last year I committed myself to read the New Testament in 12 months and I didn't actually get that done. The plane's still sitting there. I will eventually read it. Um, I will read all of the New Testament in the next um, however many days because that's part of this plan, but I'll go back and finish the other plan as well. And so it's not about you know success or failure in reading our Bible. It's about committing ourselves to something and learning from it. And so in life, there's motivators. In life, there's things that motivate us to do certain things. It's like the teenage boy, when he sees a girl, catches his eye, he's motivated to shower, brush his teeth and wear deodorant. There's a different motivation there in that moment where all of a sudden it's like they're getting different hairstyles, they're getting different haircuts, they're buying new clothes, they've changed the way they look and I think to myself, there's a motivation there in that young man's life. And so the motivator for Nehemiah was found in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 30, uh, sorry, verse 3 through to 4. So this is Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates that, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So there was a motivator in Nehemiah's life. He asked some of the people who he met who had been to Jerusalem, he said, what's the state of Jerusalem? What's happening in Jerusalem? And they went like this, it's bad. In actual fact, it's really bad. Imagine bad and then add bad to bad. And then maybe just add a little bit more bad to that. And that's the state of Jerusalem in this moment. See, things were burnt and destroyed. I don't know about you, but burnt and destroyed is pretty gone. Over in Shepparton, they're just demolishing the building, the pub that's on the corner, because it was burnt and destroyed a number of years ago, and they've actually just got to the point now where the owners have been served that they have to knock it down because it's unsafe. And so, But every time I used to drive past that, I'd go, that's pretty burnt. I can't imagine me taking my beautiful wife there for a meal. Hey, honey, let's go out for a meal. Where would you want to go? Burnt and destroyed. Let's go to the place that has no roof and the walls are really wobbly and it looks like the whole thing is going to collapse and destroy. See, Jerusalem was in a place... Have to excuse me if I cough tonight because that's going to happen. 
Not much I can do about that in this moment. Jerusalem was burnt and destroyed. Their gates, the defences were gone. The things that their defence, they were open to the enemy. And I think that's maybe one of the things that, that caused Nehemiah to have this response that he had, which we're going to look at in a moment, was in fact the city was in trouble. It was torn down. The walls were torn down. The walls were not there. The walls were like, you know, they were rubbled. And so not only were the gates destroyed, not only was there an inability to lock the enemy out, but there was also an, an inability to stop them coming over the wall. And so all their defences were gone. So I'd imagine Nehemiah going like this, where it's like, well, that's terrible. That's not good. Jerusalem's walls are destroyed. Their gates are burnt. The defences are gone. But there was a moment in his life when he looked at it and he said this, but it's still there. It's important to understand, I actually believe we live in a society where our defences are broken down. Now, I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in the spiritual. Our defences are burnt. Our gates are burnt. As a nation, our gates are burnt. There has been an undermining of the principles of God in our nation for a number of years. It hasn't just happened overnight. It happened a number, a number of years ago. In actual fact, from the very foundation of our nation, from the very start of, in actual fact, I'll, I'll say it this way so I don't offend anyone, from the very start of Christianity being brought into our nation, our defences have been undermined from that time. Because I want to tell you, when the church rises up, the enemy's going to rise up as well. Because he doesn't want to just surrender. He, does, he knows he's a defeated foe. He knows that, that at the cross Jesus has defeated him, but he has a bark that believers are scared of, sadly. And we need to understand, but as I said a few weeks ago, we're the head and not the tail. And so even though I look at our nation and it's like, you know what, I feel like a nation, and I know that this scripture is talking about Jerusalem, the city, but as a nation, I feel like our gates are burnt and our walls are turned down. But I want to tell you, we're still here. We're still here. We're the ones that have the responsibility to lift the banner high. We're the ones that have the responsibility to say, no devil, enough's enough. We're the ones that have the responsibility to go, you know what, I think it's time that the church rose up and I think it's time believers took their place and they started to rebuild some of the things that the enemy has destroyed in the past. Because that was Nehemiah's thing. He was about rebuilding what had been pulled down. He was about rebuilding those things that the enemy had gone and destroyed in times gone past. And there was moments, and we're going to look at it in a moment, where there was moments where the enemy would come to him and go, ah! Even if a little fox ran up on the wall, even if a little fox would run up on a wall, it's going to fall over. I don't care what fox runs up on the wall we're building, it's going to stand. Why is it going to stand? Because it's going to be built in the spirit. So Nehemiah's response was this. He mourned and he fasted and he prayed. His response was this. It struck his heart. No use sitting back and going, what was us? And what he did was he actually spent a time in mourning. He spent a time in fasting. He spent a time in prayer. So, you know, the Bible tells us, what was it, a three-day period 
where it was like he sat in sackcloth and ashes. And in those days, for a people to sit in sackcloth and ashes was quite a, a it, it was something where it was like, um, that was very dramatic. And through my Bible reading, it was like one of the things I've noticed is how many times have people put on burlap. It's called in the Old Testament in the uh, New Living Translation where it's like, you know, tell the people to put on burlap, put away the fine clothes and put on burlap as a sign of mourning. Why? Because of the situation that was happening. And so his, Nehemiah's response, if you're taking notes, was that he fasted and he prayed. That was his base that the rest of his action came from. And I want to challenge you as a believer, if you're not spending some time fasting during the year, if you're not spending quality time in prayer, then you will never know the answer for your situation. You will be struggling, with, you will be one of those people that are playing catch up all the time, where it's like, well, I'm not sure what I should be doing. You know, one of the things that frustrates me as a, as a minister is when people come to me and they say, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Now, why does it frustrate me? And it's not a sign of that person. It's not a sign of, <clears throat> I don't look at it and think to myself, well, they're a weak person. They're a person that, you know, I, I don't look at it that way, but I wonder whether they're asking. I wonder whether they're listening. Because one of the things I've learnt with God is this, is when we ask, he will speak. We ask, he will speak. And so Nehemiah spent three days mourning, fasting and praying, but the second thing he did was he kept in mind who God was. He just didn't throw it out because there's a time for mourning, there's a time for fasting, there's a time for praying, but there's also a time for getting up and doing what God is telling us to do. Let's go to verse 5. Then I said, O God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commandments. See, there was a moment where he went into mourning, prayer and fasting, but he kept in mind who God was. He had God at the forefront. O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his command. See, yes, he was in distress, but he was also in faith. Yes, he looked and he was realistic about the situation, but he also looked to the one who had the answer. So I want to ask you tonight, a question I asked you a few weeks ago, and maybe it was a question when I asked it, it was like, yep, wrote it down in your notes and didn't go away and think about it. But I'm going to ask you again to see whether the follow-up. And the question is this, what do you have in your hand? I preached a whole sermon about it a few weeks ago. What is it that God has placed in our hand that he's calling us to use in this season? In my forced layover for the last seven days, one of the things that I've been doing, I've been saying to God, well, okay, what is it, God? Because I said a statement a couple of months ago when we first had people who were starting to catch coronavirus and go into um, isolation. It was like, don't waste the isolation. Use it as a time where you can actually have a forced layoff and so you have more time to speak with God and that sort of stuff. And you know what? It's fine to fill our lives with Netflix and all that sort of stuff, but what an opportunity where we can just sit in God's presence and ask. And so I said to God, what is it in this next season you want me as a leader to start to implement into the life of our community? Not into the life of our church because I know what God wants me to 
instill into the life of our church because I believe he's laid a clear plan in my mind of what he wants me to speak on and the things he wants me to bring in and the things he wants me to keep out of here in Living Waters. But it's like into our community, what is it that you want? And I just believe he laid um, two things on my heart that he wants us to do in the next however long it takes. And one of them is quite an expensive thing, so we'll see how that plays out. And I have to go and speak to some people in government to see whether they'll lend me some money or give me some money um, to be able to improve our community and that sort of stuff. And, and so, because I think they should be buying into this as well, do you not? I reckon our taxes, our taxes from our extra fuel money need to be buying some stuff as well for the kingdom, I believe. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's like, what is it that you have in your hand and what is going to be placed in your hand that you're going to be able to use for the future? See, what you have in our hand, it's a question we know well. It's spoken in churches right across our nation on a regular basis. In actual fact, it's one of those sermons that often comes up in church. And it comes from that occasion when Moses is standing before the burning bush and God's called him into the next season of his life. In actual fact, I'll read it for you. Don't worry about turning to it. In uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, But Moses protested again, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. And so there's this moment where Moses is standing before the burning bush and God is commissioning him for the next season of his life and Moses is fighting the commission with God. He's fighting that moment where it's like, well, what if they don't believe me, God? What if I go and I want to tell you as a leader, this is one of the things we struggle with continually where it's like we bring vision, we bring what God has placed in our heart and as we lay it out, people go, yeah, people say, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. And this is one of the struggles that we have as leaders when we bring vision and we start to vision something that God has placed on our heart. And so this moment where Moses is saying, well, what if I go to the people and say, we're going to the promised land? I want to tell you, if I've just lived 400 years in slavery and the leader comes to me and says, we're going to the promised land, I'm going, woo-hoo, no longer shall we be slaves but now God is going to give us a land of our own. Not only is he going to give us a land of our own, he's going to give us a land that flows with milk and honey. Oh, I want to tell you, the best way to eat milk and honey is an ice cream. Oh, there's just something about honey-infused ice cream. It is wonderful. It is beautiful. And so here's Moses, he's saying, but what if I go and what if they go, meh, what if they get to the point and go, you know what, I like the leaks I'm eating. What if it gets to the point where it's like, you know, come on, let's go. And they're going, you know what, I like building bricks. I like building sphinxes. I like building pyramids. I like it where I am because sadly, often it's comfortable when we live in slavery. Often it's comfortable when we live in slavery because we know what's going to happen and so sometimes we don't break free from the chains that have held us because we're afraid of the difference in that moment. So the question is this, what does he put in your hand? I looked at that in detail a few weeks ago, and if you haven't thought about that, maybe you need to go back and re-listen to that message. It's available on different forms. 
The second question is this, what, are you, what is going to be put into your hand? So what is it that you don't have now that you're going to need? Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4. So I certainly don't have time to preach the whole book of Nehemiah tonight. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 15 and 17. When our enemy heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. Verse 16, but from then on only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shield, bows and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. Verse 17, those who were building the wall, the labourers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. This is a significant verse because even those who were building the wall, in actual fact, some versions of the Bible say they held a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. See, before they started building the wall, they didn't have a trowel and a sword put in their hand. But there was a moment when the enemy threatened to attack and so the leader's response was this, is we're going to divide you into two teams. One team's going to stand and one team's going to defend, and one team's going to be stationed there as the army, and the other team is not a B team, it's not a second-class team, but what they're going to do is they're going to work with a trowel in one hand, but they're also going to have a sword in the other. Why are they going to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other? Because there's a time when you're going to be need to be doing this, trowel, 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 trowel. And then there's another point in the battle when you're going to need to be doing this, fight, 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 stab. So it's important to understand that both are important. And one of the things I've learnt about Christianity and one of the things I've learnt from my own life is often we have one or the other. Often it's like what we do is we set ourselves to prayer and fasting, which can be the sword, we set ourselves to that, come on, let's do this, let's focus on this, let's... let's Make this the focus for the next 25 days or whatever. This what we're going to do. You can't stop building in the times that you've got the sword. Both are important. And so not only is it important what we have in our hand before the battle in preparation for the battle, but it's also important what we have in our hand for the time of the battle as well and what's being put in our hand in that point. In the Amplified Bible, it says this in verse 17. It says, Those who built the wall and those who bore the burden loaded themselves so that everyone worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other hand. And so I guess my question tonight is this, is what do you have in your hand and what is it that God is about to place in your hand for this next season? Because both are important. And I reckon for this next season, we need this. We need the sword and the trowel. We need to be building what God wants us to build, but we also need to be standing up and fighting the fights that God wants us to fight as well. So let's all stand up. If the musos could come back, that'd be great. Holy Spirit, we just want to finish this moment by asking those two questions. What is it that you've already placed in our hand that is important for this season? But Lord, help us to be wise to what you're placing in our hand as well. This is what I want to prophesy over you as a people, that the Lord is going to bring things into your life that are going to be for the next season. They're not for a season gone. They're not for a season that has been. But the things that the Holy Spirit is going to place into your life 
in the way of gifts, in the way of um, abilities, in the way of even talents, are going to be for this coming season. And as you allow yourself to be wise to the moment of something being placed in your hand, you need to understand this. It's either a trowel to build the kingdom or it's a sword to defend the kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not mix up which is which. Lord, that you would give us wisdom. And, Lord, even as we commit ourselves afresh to this moment, Lord, I pray and I ask, Lord, that you would make us wise. Lord, your word says if any of us lack wisdom, we only need to ask and you supply it to us liberally. And so, Lord, we ask for wisdom for this season that we're in right this very moment, but just as important for the season to come because I see that there's a season coming. There's a season about to break forth in our nation where as the church arises and as the Holy Spirit empowers and as revival falls and as revival comes, that there's a moment where much building will be necessary, but much fighting will be necessary as well. Not talking about fighting in the spirit, uh, in the natural, but it's our because our war is not against flesh and blood. It's about it's against principalities, it's against powers in the heavenlies. And so, Lord, we choose to stand. Lord, we choose, Lord, Lord, to stand in that moment. Lord, and we declare that not only is our God good, but we honour the things that you place in our hands, even for those, because some of us are going to look and say, well, that's not very much. That's not the jackhammer. I was expecting more. No, don't say that because every tool is important. Every tool is important for the work. Every person stationed on the wall is important for the work. The ones standing guard were no more important than the ones building, and the ones building were no more important than the ones standing guard. So my call for you is this, is to be content with what God places in your hand, but use it to the best of your ability with all your might. Because as you do that, even as we heard again a few weeks ago, that when we're faithful with what we've been given, more is added to that in that moment. So our faithfulness with what God places in our hand already and what he's about to place in our hand will determine what is reaped in the, in, the, in the season to come. Lord, so we thank you for it. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, so we just take this moment and we say, Holy Spirit, highlight to us what is already in our hand and give us a glimpse into our future. So why don't we just take that moment to ask him, not only what he's already placed in our hand, but come on, Holy Spirit, show us what you're about to do. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.